This is the Portside Pod, the official podcast of the Stockton Ports. I'm the voice of the Ports, Alex Jensen, and on today's episode, we continue on with the Corporal and Boss Man, talking Howard Terminal, Favorite A's memories, and much more in part two of my conversation with the duo from A's Fan Radio. During these trying times, Chase Chevrolet is still open and here to serve you. With their Easy Pass service, you can shop online and have your new pre-owned vehicle delivered right to your door. Learn more at chasechevrolet.com slash easypass. So let me ask you this, in, in, you know, in connecting the dots to Howard Terminal, like, because I have my own opinions on this, but I, I want to know what you guys think. Like, how, how do you think Howard Terminal would change, change the game for the A's franchise and change the game for Oakland? Would you like to start on this one? Uh, I mean, I can. Um, well, you got to understand, the crown jewels of Oakland, obviously the sports, you know, whatever, but Lake Merritt, which is not too far from here, mm-hmm. Jack London Square. I mean, you remember as kids, Jack London Square, man, people – who were from the other side of the bay used to come here a lot, put their money all up in here, helping tax dollars or whatever. So having it right here, you're going to give a chance to some of these businesses that maybe need an extra oomph to be, you know, to pay the bills over the next two years or whatever, to hire other people. Um, also too, to, to bring some energy to the area. I mean, the Coliseum, we love, don't get me wrong. We, I mean, we all grew up there. I mean, A's games, that was the first sport event for me. I know that. And, that was in the 80s when I was little, had the little the little onesie, the little A's onesie back in the 80s. I mean, so <laughs> that is, we're not trying to knock the Coliseum, but bringing something new that's never been seen before, having it by the waterfront and giving us a chance to do something completely new, uh, it's kind of infectious. And I think it can be, it can cause a chain reaction to BevMo, which I'd be a frequent buyer at BevMo, World Plus, and, you know, Dryer's not here anymore, but all the other businesses. I remember over by Old Oakland, a place opened up called the Parliament. It was probably six, seven years ago, probably five years ago. And I asked uh, the owner when they had the opening, said, how would you feel if the A's had a ballpark near here? He said, it would boost my business four and five times more than what I'm doing now. And I think that there is a lot of the thing that a lot of people are missing, what it would do for us. Because I've always said this, and I'm going to let Keith get, after, get in after me. I think that downtowns, are the heartbeat of any city. It showcases your city. It gives you what, you what you're offering to the world and it invites the world to come and check you out. I do not like San Francisco Giants, but I have to give their front office and everybody, their business people credit. When they built that thing over there, it changed the franchise forever. It changed how downtown San Francisco looked at them. It became a real part, a part of them, like how the 49ers were when they won those titles in the 80s. But the Giants, they are number one in San Francisco, and they'll be number one forever because of what that ballpark means and where it was built at. Before, when I was a kid, I remember going by Third Street. I had cousins that lived over there. That was a hell no area. Oh, no. (laughs) Are you crazy? If you look at it now, it's beautiful. Uh, It's serene. Um, It's right by the bridge. It's a symbol of the city, and I think if they are able to get Howard Terminal done, that's a big if because there are some challenges and some hurdles to it. Oakland can do that same, if not even better. Mm-hmm. You know, and just to piggyback off of stuff that Boss said, uh, I mean, this, this isn't the first rodeo with this site being looked at as, you know, the possible location for a ballpark at the age, you know, 
it's a site that's been looked at as far back as uh, the late 90s, early 2000s. Back then, HOK uh, did a study on behalf of the city at that point where they were looking at sites for a potential new ballpark. You know, ultimately, the top site on that study back then was 20th and Telegraph. But um, on that list was, a, you know, a design and a concept to put something over here at Howard Terminal. And then pretty much since then, uh, you've had groups out there like Baseball Oakland and Let's Go Oakland who have kind of been at the forefront of keeping that site out there live in the eyes of folks as a possible location. And um, we all remember, you know, Blue Wolf famously made, or unfamously made a quote saying that it'd be more realistic to build on Treasure Island than it would be on the site right here. But, you know, as, you know, as time gone by, the years went by, as we've seen now with a little bit, you know, more open, a little bit smarter leadership in place. They've seen the potential of it. And, you know, there obviously are going to be some hurdles that you're going to have to get through and deal with when it comes to this site. But, you know, the biggest thing that this place has to offer is you don't have to build, you know, your prototypical ballpark village with this area right here. You've got a lot of the stuff in place already here at Jacklin and Square, plus you can add stuff on. Not to mention all the various bars and restaurants that have opened up in downtown Oakland over the last 15, 20 years as part of what many of us have referred to as the Oakland Renaissance, uh, with, mm -hmm. you know, with all the art galleries around here, the bars, all that things. And it definitely is something that I think would be very vibrant and help out businesses in this area. You know, businesses like what Bossman mentioned, you know, I, um, when things were normal and before this virus hit, there's this uh, independent wrestling group down here called Hood Slam that's right over here at the uh, Oakland Metro Opera House over on 2nd Street. Uh, as I like to jokingly say for the ad we do for them on A's Fan Radio, it's a hop, skip, and a jump away from the potential future ballpark site. So, you know, just think about it, man. Friday night, you can go to a baseball game over here. Uh, it gets over early, or if there's a blowout going on, you can bounce out and go catch some guys beating the crap out of each other in physical opera a block and a half down the street. You know, just so much various stuff you'll be able to do down here before a game and after a game. And the biggest thing that I appreciate about the idea of this, and uh, we sometimes like to say that Dave Cobble got this saying from us because we preached this to him so much, the fact that with this concept here is that it's, he wants it, and the A's want it to be bigger than baseball. They want it to be, in, you know, more than just a baseball stadium. They want it to be, the, you know, a cog in a bigger wheel of something that can function 365 days a year and help bring all sorts of various entertainment and events to the waterfront in Jacklin Square. And, you know, also after going to a lot of other ballparks around the league around the year, just it makes a lot more sense to put a stadium in a waterfront or downtown setting versus the Coliseum site, you know, and like Boss, I have, I have, you know, I grew up at the Coliseum site. I've been going there for many years. No disrespect to it, but just it's, it's a site that I feel in this day and age doesn't make any sense to build a baseball stadium. It would make more sense to maybe put a football stadium there, let's say, if the NFL were to ever come back to Oakland. Or let's face it, and I know this from, I know this from going to Roots games, dude. The Oakland Roots, especially if they continue to be ran the way they are, are going to blow up even more. And they're going to eventually need to play in a bigger venue than Laney College. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, I, I, I completely agree. I mean, you guys walk to where you are right now, uh, down Jack London Square, and there's untapped potential there. I mean, there's, you know, how many, you know, how many empty uh, retail fronts do you see when you walk? The, I mean, there's quite a few. Last time I was there anyway, and it's just such a beautiful area. Uh, and, and the kind of rise of, you know, more bars and breweries and tap houses and restaurants near Jack London. Uh, it, like you said, it's already in place but i think 
where you know there's kind of a disconnect is there's nothing to get the crowd that's in uptown right now down broadway to the waterfront if you have a ballpark I mean, that, that, that could be the, you know, the impetus that you need to go under the freeway and head toward Jacklin and Square. Because right now it kind of feels like two separate areas, right? You've got Old Oakland in the middle, you've got Uptown, and you've got Jacklin and Square. I really think, I really believe that if you put a ballpark down there, you've kind of got an open freeway. I mean, you know, the analogy to, to uh, Oracle Park now is perfect because South of Market was an afterthought in San Francisco. And now you've got multi-million dollar condos down there. You know, I mean, I, I would like to see in Oakland, um, you know, some more affordable housing to balance all that out. But just in terms of, of, of getting folks up and down Broadway, because I, I love Uptown. I love what's happening in Uptown. I love Old Oakland. And I love what's happening in Jacqueline and Square. And I think they could all kind of be one and the same, the heartbeat of Oakland downtown. You put a ballpark there, it, it, it kind of, it's the cherry on top and it helps folks move up and down that street oh yeah i i, I definitely agree with you, with you on that boss agrees with you on that and, you know the one thing that like kind of gets missed out there a lot by some and i mean we know this obviously from our various talks with people we know within the organization and at the city level as well i mean the, the a's are, are working with the city they're working with the port and all the various transit agencies trying to figure out all the various different ways that they can get people in and out of here on game day. I mean, we all know about the gondola concept. You know, there's many questions on if that's going to see the light of day or not. Trust me, I'd love to see that gondola concept work because I think that definitely would help out with things here too. There's so but, much logistically, there's so much to that, yes, though, man. A lot of logistics to that. So you definitely got to look at, you know, other options and, you know, other ways to bring people down here, regardless of adding bus lines, setting up maybe something like, I don't know, get a bunch of like trams similar to like what they ferry people around the Disneyland parking lot and have to go back and forth between the stadium and here, you know. I mean, yeah, there definitely are, are concerns and issues with getting that, but, you know, the big thing, and I've always tried to pe preach this to people, is yes, there are issues and concerns, but it's an issue and concern that's definitely worth tackling and going after and fixing. And they definitely got various peoples and the right people in place to go exploring all that stuff. And, you know, the other thing I can say as well is the A's and all the various parties involved definitely love to hear comments and feedback from the public, you know, because that's going to help out with shaping this a lot. So, you know, anyone has questions and concerns, you know, reach out to the team, you know, or, or if you don't, even if you don't feel comfortable reaching out to the team, we have no problem being a go-between. We, we, we've been doing it for years, you know, being go-between between some fans in the front office and just for some reason don't feel comfortable dealing with like Dave Powell and, other people. and the thing is we, we just Alex we just don't want to paint just such a rosy picture yes we're in favor of seeing how return will happen we would love it I mean it would be a dream come true for all of us AIDS fans to finally have a ballpark after all these years of scorn and all these jokes that people made about uh, uh what feces and stuff coming out of dugouts which was something else though with it though some sabotage but that's another story but <laughs> We understand that Howard Terminal still environmental issues. You got the yeah. EIR, you know, which I've heard, you know, some say yes, some say no on it, though, as far as what, what's going to be in it. The transportation issues. How are you going to actually build on a pier? Because you've got to kind of go under the bedrock and you've got to do a lot of filling in, worried about the sea level rise. There are a lot of issues that have to be mitigated or at least solved in some sense uh, for this thing to work and to get. Uh, the stamp of approval from downtown and you know the port shows support there still has to be a lot of work done I mean, because you have the ILWU the union there the truckers union you have a lot of things 
that are still trying to push against. Then you've seen recently the Sierra Club, mm-hmm. you know, right? I don't know how much that means because they did the same thing for the Giants and the Warriors, and we see that those venues are up right now. So right. we, as advocates of the A's at Howard Terminal or any place by downtown, we know that there are a lot of challenges and there's a lot of work to be done. And, you know, then there's questions from people about them trying to own the Coliseum site while trying to build here and using the funds for that, you know, a kind of two-for-one special. That's turned people uh, uh, a different type of way. Also, the fact that uh, with the bill that Rob Bonta, uh, Assemblyman Rob Bonta uh, helped him get passed through, those kind of streamlines things, which basically can kind of create a kind of tax increment financing district around a lot of Oakland, which can help <laughs> them guys reap untold billions. I mean, there are questions about that and how the community benefits package will be, how this really will help maybe some of the less uh, advantaged in Oakland. So there's a lot of questions on it, but I'm of the mindset that if people work together for real and check the egos at the door, I'm talking all sides. I think this thing could work though. Matter of fact, I know it will work because when Oakland has ever put its mind to something, what has happened? Great things every time. I agree with you. And I think it's a good sign that, that, you know, uh, the mayor's on board with this location. It seems like the, you know, the, the city council is coming around, but you bring up an important point is there, there's a long way to go. It's the perfect time to purchase a new car today at Chase Chevrolet. Take advantage now of model year and inventory reduction prices and supplier pricing on select 2019 vehicles. You can always count on Chase Chevrolet for the best prices, best service, and easiest car buying experience. And now, back to our episode. I'm glad you guys brought up the Coliseum because we all grew up going to games at the Coliseum. A lot of people listening to this probably grew up going to games at the Coliseum. I love the Coliseum, you know, and I know it's not perfect. Uh, I know it's not the shiny ballpark, you know. I've been to Fenway. I've been to Seattle. I've been to all these other places, Dodger Stadium. I know it has its shortcomings, but I love the Coliseum. What are some of you guys' favorite memories uh, from going to games at the Coliseum, which we're still going to be able to do for at least the next handful of years? Man, well, one, one I'll definitely share, and uh, it's kind of a little funny story with this. I mean, of course, we're all familiar, of course, with the day that Ricky Henderson broke the stolen base record uh, many, many moons ago, it seems like now. But, you know, growing up – batting over, gloves, man, a couple days know, ago. Not really kind of having memories from it as a kid. Um, I always would sit there and watch the highlights of that, and I would sit there and I would think, it's like, why do I got this funny feeling I was at that game? And then one day my aunt comes up to me while I'm having that conversation with somebody. She's like, hey, yo, dummy, you were with us at the game. We were in, you know, what would have been the equivalent of the Stomper Fun Zone back then behind the old center field batter's eye, you know, just, you know, because me and my cousin, you know, we were rambunctious little youngins, so they had to take us over there. But, of course, you know, whenever Ricky was up or he was on the base pass, we were popping our heads out. So kind of a little interesting part to remember that when I was younger. But, you know, for, for me, probably another one that would stick out is uh, – is game 20 of the streak, you know, just the pure insane craziness. I know a lot of fans out there talk about, you know, game 18 and game 19 being their favorite moment just because it's the hottest block ops and everything. But just for me, the reason why the game 20 stuck sticks out for me the most is because of the fact, you know, as we all saw that night, the A's went up 11 to nothing. And then slowly as time went on, that lead disintegrated. And then to just win that game in the fashion they did was just completely crazy, you know. And I'm, I'm not going to lie, I was a junior in high school. I was more tore up than a college frat boy that night. I kind of, you know, have loose little memories like, you know, the, 
Because you remember early, earlier this, early in April, they re-aired that game. And I sat down and watched. And I'm going to be honest, man, it felt like I was watching the game for the first time because I was so tore up that night when it would happen. It's funny, they actually show me um, on Diamond Vision because back then that was when we had the Maple's Maniac sign in right field. And we used to do uh, what we called the wolf dance when the Zorba the Greek music would play. And you just you look at me and like, man, I'm so – you could tell I'm just – wasting that but just that that night was crazy that game was fun and you know and just you know so many others that just that I you know too many to really name man but you know and another thing as well is you know not just the games but just my favorite moments out there honestly are you know or with my my bleacher brethren that I've grown up with over the years man not just you know and that's not just the current crop that's out there but you know as a kid going out to the old bleachers you know I got to grow up and know a lot of the cats that were part of the Hindus bad boy era bleacher boy uh, bleacher gang as well so just Get a chance to know all those various fans over the years from the different generation, man. So it makes A's games for me just a hell of a fun time to go to. Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> you know, I was born in the early 80s, man. I don't want to date myself too much, but uh, um, there's just so many memories, man. Um, I, I'm with Keith, though. I uh, think the thing that stands out is the people. Like, I always tell uh, folks, and I've argued with folks, the people make the venue. The venue don't make the people. And I think if, you know, the A's were to stay at the Coliseum, uh, you know, that's not my preference. If they just play at the old Coliseum or if they get something new here, the people have so much uniqueness about them. They got so much character, got so much swagger and charisma. They can make a damn cardboard box seem exciting. And so, you know, you, you think of walking uh, from the sometimes the BART if you didn't drive in. You walk from the BART and it's a big game. And you see people get excited and things of that nature. Uh, that stuff there, it really kind of it kind of pulls at your heartstrings. I, I think a uh, big one for me uh, was 1990. Uh, the A's were the defending world champions, and the Red Sox came in town. And uh, Mark McGuire had struck out like three times, and Big Mac was pissed because he kept striking out. Dave Stewart pitched 10 innings that day. I'm a little kid, and – I think it's bottom of the 10th, bases are loaded, Mark McGuire comes up, out of here, walk off. And this one, we had the orange seats, and just everybody's just going crazy because, you know, I'm eight years old. I'm thinking, hey, they're going to win another World Series. I mean, they're clearly the best team. Yeah, you are showing our age by mentioning yeah, the, orange know, seats by the orange seats. Yeah, the orange seats. So, I, I think <laughs> that, worry, man. I'm I, in that I same another one, for, another one for me, which was probably my favorite year of the A's because uh, – what they did was the 2000 year. I was there when Eric Chavez hit for the cycle against the Baltimore Orioles That's in right. 2000. When they had the black jerseys, he hit for the cycle. And Chavez like, damn, this Eric Chavez, this young dude is, is, a, is a baller. Look at him. He out here hitting for the cycle. That was a big game because there wasn't a lot of people in the crowd. But, you know, we were energetic and everything like that. And I, I think third for me was the 2012 game where they clinched a playoff berth, not when they actually won the division, but they played, played the three-game series. And uh, who was it? The, the lefty. Was it Blakely or whatever? The lefty who started that game for us. The A's clinched. Travis Blackley. Travis Blackley, yeah. Blackley. Australian. Yeah, Australian dude. The lefty, he came out there. He was dealing. And when they got that final out, it was like, holy. Wait, wait. Did this just happen? The A's are in the playoffs, and we just went, so crazy. Me and my wife were were out there that night, and we actually had a bunch of free vouchers and stuff. So we were just getting free drinks and all kind of stuff 
And, man, I was so hammered. And the best part of that night was when we were walking out. And this is Monday this happened. Everybody was walking back to the bar yelling one thing. Sweet, sweet. So people were calling for the sweet. And the sweet happened. And the A's won the division that year, though. I, there's nothing I, – I can't find – of a better thing to do in Oakland than going to a sporting event besides the concert because concerts are live in Oakland. You know, uh, okay. Day on the Green and what you had over there at former Oracle Arena, which I call the Coliseum Arena. Nothing can beat those events there because I've always said this to people because people say, why does it matter where a team plays there? Well, I can tell you why. I got my friends. I have family. I have people I went to church with. I worked with. Or regular people I've just seen on the street or at a bar that are you feel like they're family anyway. They're, they're a part of your community. So when you see those people and when you win together and you slap fives, it means more. It wouldn't mean the same if the A's were playing and let's just say in that place in the desert where the Raiders play. It doesn't mean the same when you come to the area and you're slapping fives with everybody. Hey, you see those, those A's? You see them? It doesn't mean the same because this is your area. This is your community. And that's what I think a lot of people have lost. You look at baseball. You look old school baseball. The community, it meant, it meant a lot when Jackie Robinson would go play ball with the kids or when Babe Ruth would come and sign uh, balls with kids from the orphanage. I mean, little things like that matter on the big scale of things, and that's why baseball will always be America's fastball. It always be, really will be the number one sport, even though it's kind of dwindled now, but it's always going to be the number one sport because of what it means for so long to so many different people, if you understand what I mean, Alex. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. And, uh, you know, I talked to other broadcasters. Um, you know, when they'd come in, when I've been working for the A's for the last couple of years, uh, the one thing about the Oakland Coliseum that they always say when they've covered a playoff game is I've never heard a place louder. And I think that's totally true. I remember, I, you know, I'll give you guys a couple of my favorite memories. Um, the one that stands out to me was Coco Crisp's walk-off in game four of, I think it was the 2013 ALDS to send it to, to a game five. And I just remember the feeling of euphoria outside the ballpark. I mean, just everyone high-fiving each other, like you said, having beers together, hanging out in the parking lot. I mean, it was just, you know, that one in Stephen Vogt's walk-off, I think it was game two of the next year off of yeah, uh, that against year. the Tigers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, just, and you know what's cool is, uh, you know, you talk about what it means to the community and what I've learned about the Stockton Ports, and I was, you know, talking about this with a, our, our president yesterday, the Ports president yesterday, is how deeply seated both of these teams are in the community. And it's a perfect marriage with one another, the Ports being, you know, an A's affiliate. Uh, you know, he was, he was saying, listen, I, what I miss about Ports games at Banner Island Ballpark is, you know, meeting a grandfather who's taken his grandchild to a ball game. And when that grandfather was a, was a kid, his dad was taking him to Ports games, you know, back in the 40s. Uh, and I think that's just there, there's something so similar about both Oakland and Stockton. And it's, it's just a perfect marriage. And I, the people, I couldn't agree more. Definitely, definitely. I, I, I agree with you on that. You know, um, you look at, at Stockton, um, there's always been a bunch of A's fans over towards that direction because a lot of people uh, since the 90s have moved out to Tracy and Stockton because of just the housing situation. They saw the writing on the wall that was getting too expensive. So you have a lot of A's fans that come from the 209 that come to the games, I mean, that, that are big time, man. So, you know, shout out to Stockton, man. I mean, we got nothing but love for people out there because we know those are huge A's fans who congregate with us a lot, though, and talk with us and, and give us knowledge about things that 
We didn't even think about them. We got guys who know games that happened in 1969. We're not going to know anything about 1969. I mean, <laughs> only thing I know about 69 was in my college dorm, but that's a whole nother story back, back <laughs> my sophomore year, man. But now <laughs> it's funny, man. Yeah, like, so, Growing up, my dad told me he was sitting in the bleachers one night and Reggie Jackson hit a, a home run out to right field or wherever he was sitting. And it was so cold at the Coliseum that he, like, no one would bring their hands out of their coats to try and catch the ball. Uh, but he said he had a chance to catch a Reggie Jackson. So it's just, you know, going back generations, it's really cool. Yeah. Uh, hey, so what, what, were you, what are you guys looking forward to most? I, I, this season's going to be different, obviously, with no fans. And I think we've kind of outlined what, um, you know, what that'll mean, uh, what, what, what the game's going to be missing without the fans in the stands. But what are you looking forward to about this year's A's? Well, so different. I'm not going to be able to go to any games. Yeah. For the first time ever in my life, except when I was going down to school in Southern California, but I always made game. I always still came for games up here, and I would see when they played the Angels. Real weird time, but as far as for the team, you have 60 games. And if they do play a full season, then there's a lot of skepticism for all sports if you're going to finish. A lot of skepticism. But if let's just say if they do finish, I truly expect the A's to be the leader of that division. I, I expect if there's 60 games, I expect about 35 wins. You know, 35 wins will get it. Uh, it it's tough. To win in baseball, but I think 35 wins, 35 to 40 wins, I, I think is doable for the team. The talent is there. I think Matt Chapman is, is going to be uh, very motivated because he had a real down part the second half of the year and he slumped. And after, you know, uh, the loss to Tampa Bay last year in the AL wildcard, he said, I'm never going to hit this low again. I believe him. I believe Matt Olson is a premier first baseman. I mean, the best defensive first baseman and all the baseball, and it's not close. I don't care what anybody says. I think we have the best corner duo between Chapman and Olsen in all of baseball. No and doubt. I believe he's going to hit a good amount of bombs that he that he hit. Um, I mean, I think there was a point where uh, he was just hitting bombs just crazy, though. Know? Um, it was just like, yeah, the guy can't miss. He's changed his swing a little bit. Remember, the bat was more out to here. And he's brought in. He can now turn and hit a lot of the inside pitches, and he's going opposite field a bit more than he used to when he first came up. I think with Jorge Mateo being traded, uh, it's now basically said, hey, I guess we're going to try to maybe sign Marcus Simeon uh, because he's supposed to be a free agent next year. So Marcus Simeon has just been the most improved athletic I've ever seen in my life. Mm -hmm. 2015, the guy couldn't catch a cold in, in San Francisco. But you know what? Now the guy's playing. Uh, he's all, I mean, he's even had consideration from people for being a gold glover, uh, you know, I think there's questions at second base. There's some questions because, you know, you have Franklin Barreto. They've been trying to have that project for a while. You have Tony Kemp coming to fold. Uh, I mean, you, don't, you really don't know uh, what's going to come out. But I think competition always brings out the best. Cream always rises to the top. And then, you know, the outfield, I mean, Razor Ramon, Loriano, man. That's our guy, though, Razor Ramon. You got Piscotti, uh, you know, you, you have uh, Canna. You have a lot of – and a Pender, I can't forget. the utility Pender, manager. yeah. You got a lot of great things um, going on with this team and the pitching staff. I mean, I'm going to let you just explain the pitch staff. But the pitching staff, uh, the starting pitch staff, I have the utmost faith in. You're going to jump in on that. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely agree with where Boss stands as far as, you know, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, one, if they even get things started because, you know, just how things have started with all the hiccups with testing so far. And Hasn't been good. Stuff has a lot of us sitting back here just going, what the hell at this point? You know, so definitely it's going to be interesting to see, one, if they even get this off the ground, and two, if they even are get, able to get through it fully just because of how out of control we've seen the virus be here in the States right now. You know, so it's going to be real interesting to see how they're able to keep the bubble from being penetrated. You know, if they're able to, you know, get things in, you know, just like Boss, I feel, you know, yeah, 30, 35 wins is probably what it will take to win the division. I feel we definitely have one of, if not the strongest starting rotations in the league right now. Um, obviously, though, there are going to be some questions and concerns given the fact that Jesus Lazardo tested positive for the coronavirus and uh, to a speedy recovery, hopefully, for him. You know, but at the same time, do you know, take your – and this, I say this for whoever – in baseball, not just on the A's, but whoever tests for that stuff, you know, take your time getting back. Don't rush it because we've already seen how this virus has affected a lot of people's respiratory systems. So definitely, if you catch it, don't rush back, do everything you got to do. And then just, you know, once you get those two negative tests in to get back in there. But I feel even with that, you know, you got guys who can step up. We've seen that obviously Chris Bassett can step in there and be a spot starter, even though we've always felt more comfortable with seeing him out of the pen. But, you know, he's proven he can get it done, uh, you know, more often than not. You can use Ming, uh, Daniel Mingdon as an option. And there's other guys, too. You know, one of the things I've always liked to say on A's Fan Radio date back when we started is this team craps Major League pitching. I actually say another word, but uh, I'm pretty sure I can't use that word on this show. But <laughs> A's Fan Radio know what I, I'm saying to. So, you know. I think we're all getting – we're all, we're all catching your grip. A concern. You know, it was always the offense. But I definitely feel we have an offense – that will be able to bang it out there with the majority of, of people. You know, they're ranked seventh in the, in the power rankings right now. And, you know, the power they got in that lineup, I feel, is worthy of that. And it also will be interesting to see, yes, obviously, even with a 60-game schedule, the one thing I'm looking at uh, seeing that plays out is uh, how is Chris Davis going to bounce back from the injuries he had last year. And I feel mm -hmm. that a lot of pressure is honestly going to be off him this year, even if they would have played a full schedule because he has a lot more power and protection in the lineup versus totally what he had. And just like with second base, too, it's going to be real interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, I mean, you got Tony Kemp there. you got Franklin Barreto. I was about to say, I'm personally, I'm kind of going to give the edge to Sheldon Noisy, who uh, happens to be a guy that Ken Korak, when we had him as a guest on our show two years ago, spoke highly of and honestly mm -hmm. felt if he were anywhere else, he'd be starting probably on any other major league team. So there's definitely a lot of interesting and crazy scenarios that we're going to enjoy seeing play out but just again just i hope that they really are safe and cautious and do everything that they need to do to uh make sure that the virus doesn't ran, run rampant and everything and obviously if it does get to that point then they got to shut it down you know do whatever is the safest thing to do at that point i got a question for you alex now you're getting interviewed all right <laughs> hit, hit me with hey, it man dun, dun, dun. <laughs> there's been a lot of criticism on bob melvin uh throughout his career, I think, because he's seen as a, such a player's manager. He's a nice guy. He really does not get up into your behind about things. He kind of lets things kind of play out. And, and that does work for the most part in baseball. Sometimes you got to get at guys. But do you think the criticism is fair because he's only won one playoff series in his career as a manager, uh, I think it was with the Diamondbacks uh, in uh, 2007. Do you think that 
to justify his managerial style and Billy Bean having so much faith in him, do you think uh, at least getting to the ALCS uh, justifies him being there? And do you think it's unfair that he's received so much criticism, given what he's had? For me, I do think it's a little bit unfair. I mean, I, I'm kind of a regular season guy. I really think that the regular season shows you who the best teams are. And I think the cream rises to the top over 162 games. There's so much that can happen in a five-game series. And, I mean, listen, it goes back to before Bob Melvin. I mean, the A's have lost, what, nine in a row, winner-take-all games. They haven't been passed. They haven't won a game in the ALCS since 1990. Uh, so it, it certainly predates Bob Melvin, uh, the A's issues. He is a player's manager. And I think you, you look no further than what guys like, you know, you know, seasoned vets like Jed Lowry and now Matt Chapman, you know, the guys that, that love Bob Melvin would do anything for Bob Melvin. I think that's what you need to look at for me. Anyway, I'm, 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 I'm a Bob Melvin guy. And I would think that maybe when you get to a certain point, you can, you can, and especially in a place like New York or Boston or, you know, a big market club, you can look at the playoff record and say, well, Hey, you're not getting it done here. I just think that the playoffs are such a crapshoot. I mean, we've seen it with the Giants. We've seen it with a team like the Rockies back in, I think that was 2007, when they, like a bat out of hell in September, they got hot. And a lot of the times it's, it's the hottest team that ends up winning in October. Uh, and I, do, I, I think it's unfair as well to, uh, to, to make any sort of judgment on his relationship with players in terms of maybe not getting on them. We don't know what goes on in that clubhouse. Um, and I think that's the most effective way of, of dealing with somebody that needs to be dealt with is behind closed doors. Uh, I don't think you want to show up anybody on national TV, certainly. I just think that can rub some guys the wrong way. Um, so I'm a Melvin guy. Again, I think that the regular season uh, gets overlooked in terms of what makes, you know, who a good team is, a good manager is, you know, what kind of makes a team click. So I give him the benefit of the doubt in that. The, the criticisms are fair. I mean, you know, just in terms of the A's not getting over that hump. I mean, like I said, nine straight winner-take-all losses. That is – that's incredible. I mean, uh, you know, you've got that. I think the Twins have lost 16 straight playoff games. You know, that's, that's another story. Um, but it, it, it certainly is frustrating. And, but I, I don't think that the blame falls squarely on one guy's shoulders, especially a guy that has won – you know, has, I think he's been the manager of the year twice with the A's. Uh, and, you know, that, that, you know, I think, I think you look at what the players say about him and that tells you all that you need to know. That's what I think. But I pre that was fun, man. We haven't done that before. You, I, I like how you turned that around on me. That was good. I mean, it, it was worth asking because, you know, <laughs> I have criticisms of Bob Melvin because not during the regular <laughs> season, but because of the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Because I personally this. I felt 2013, they should have they should have beat Detroit that second time. First time I can understand Detroit was pretty strong and went to the World Series. I thought the A's were better than Detroit in 2013. And I thought it might have been a mistake not taking out uh, Dan Straley before Peralta hit that home run. But I do see your point, though. Um, the A's have lost, like, it's been like this, though, pretty much in the playoffs. I think last year was really the one game where it was like, oh, you know, we kind of – just a bad start or whatever. It just kind of – they just mentally weren't there. Was, something was just off as soon as that guy hit that home run. It, it was it was, was off. Yeah. Huh? You know, Manaya didn't look sharp uh, in that game last year either, right? I mean, no, he didn't. And, 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 you, know, you can blame he, he really him, right? Did. I mean, 
it's one game. And that's, that's, that's the criticism that I have for major league baseball is I think if you've earned the right over 162 games to be in that wild card scenario, you deserve a three game series. Baseball is a series game. It's not a one game. It's not football. It's not a one game. You, know, you find out who's better in one game. And if a guy's a bad night like Sean Maniah, I mean, how nails was he down the stretch, right? He was the A's best guy down the stretch. He, 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 he was the guy. I, for, for me this year, it's kind of going back to talk about this season. I think the A's are going to be one of the postseason teams now. Is it going to be wild card or division? We'll see. I think it's division. Um, Hope you're right. Because I think, I, think we're better, I think we're better than the Astros. I think mm-hmm. without banging on stuff and, and giving signs and all that crap, I think we're better than the Astros. I, I think the A's have shown the ability. Just like when last year they I'm, went, I'm over here. Yeah, 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 I see. <laughs> yeah. Like when they went into Houston and took three out of four last year, and, and they pretty much they pretty much brutalized them in in um in Houston. Uh, I think the A's are really a better team than them. They're, they're young and they're improving. They're on the rise. I think this is the year they get them. But if they do get in there, I would like to see Mac, Mike Fires pitch one of those games because he got. He got passed over two years in a row in that right. game, and you know he he's been he's been heaven sent for us. So I mean, I don't think we make the postseason without him. I mean, he doesn't have the fastest uh, of heaters out there, but he understands placement, understands location, he knows how to attack different batters. I would love to see that guy get into a postseason situation because he has experience, and I think his experience can prove invaluable to the A's come October. I agree. I hope we get a chance to see it, honestly. And I, I, do, I do think this as well. I mean, if you pull the Astros, there's one team in the West that they respect. And there's one team in the West that they, you know, if they fear anybody, that, they, that they're wary of. And even when the A's started slow last year, A.J. Hinch had a quote, you know. I mean, we know about Oakland. We know about the A's. Um, so, you know, I think that, that the Astros at least, and the rest of the baseball world now are on notice. Oh, yeah. And, and, and it's funny, you, you mentioned, even, you know, the slow start and stuff last year and even, you know, the whole us being historically known for a slow start. That's actually one thing I forgot to mention on my outlook for the season that I can't stress enough. We cannot afford to get off to that historic slow start or it will bury us. Yeah. Can't do that with the season. We get a chance to see it, man. I really do. We're going to have to get you guys out to Banner Island Ballpark uh, when, when minor league baseball picks back up again in 2021. Uh, I'd love to have you guys in the booth with me. We'll get some beers after the game. Uh, and, you know, I want you guys to be able to experience Banner Island Ballpark. I mean, with, uh, you know, with the ports, you know, Logan Davidson would probably would have been there this year. I mean, you know, a few top round picks. So, uh, so you guys let me know when you'd like to come out to a ports game. We'll make it happen. Uh, and uh, maybe it'll be a Thursday. Who knows? I mean, we got you know dollar beer Thursdays. So uh, anytime you guys would like to come out, please let me know. We'd we'd love to have you out in stock. Yeah, I, I'd be down. I, I I think we could we can afford to reschedule a show next year on a Thursday. Thursday go oh, there for yeah, that. yeah. Hell, we do the show while we're out there. Hey, that, <laughs> put the equipment out the stocking with us and do the show afterwards. Hey, I don't <laughs> think that's gonna be a problem because you know sometimes you know A's have off days on Thursday. A lot of teams have off days on Thursdays before they have their weekend series. You know depending on if they had a four-game series or not, though. So I'm for that. I'm for that, though. You, like I said, you guys just let me know. Uh, you can follow these guys uh, on Twitter at A's underscore fan underscore radio, A'sFanRadio.com, the corporal, boss man. I really appreciate you guys coming on, man. It's been a lot of fun. 
Uh, I'm, I'm excited for the time we're all able to be together again at the Coliseum uh, in September for me. Or, uh, or you know, when, like I said, when you guys would like to come out to Stockton, uh, we'd love to have you and, and, uh, and create some new memories of, uh, of minor league baseball out in Stockton. Thanks so much, fellas. Thank you Thank so you, much. Thank you, Alex. Thank you for having us, man. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Portside Pod. If there are topics or interview subjects you'd like to hear on future episodes, tweet at me, at ajensen86. The Portside Pod is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other platforms, as well as at our home, anchor.fm slash Stockton ports. You can also visit the Ports website at stocktonports.com and follow the Ports on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and other social media platforms. Until next time, I'm Alex Jensen. Please stay safe, and we'll talk to you on the next episode of the Portside Pod.